0: so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace
1: be with you. Friends, the gospel for today commences with a man who I think speaks for all of us. He approaches Jesus and says, Lord, will only a few people be saved? Well, he's talking about heaven about eternal life, about the fulfillment of all things. And he puts it in terms that are straightforward enough. How many? I once sat around a dinner table at which the following question was posed by the host for the evening. He asked each one of us around the table to speculate on what percentage of the human race will make it to heaven. (laughs) How about that for a little dinner conversation? That question, I would say, probably preoccupied the previous generation certainly of Catholics, in a way it doesn't preoccupy the present generation. If you talk to older Catholics, you'll discover that, for a great many of them, the details of the afterlife and the means of getting to heaven and avoiding hell were of paramount significance. Again, for older Catholics, a great stress was placed on those mortal sins, usually of a sexual nature, that would prevent people from entering into eternal life. And This frankly made many folks from that period paranoid, a little uptight, somewhat fearful of God. And to be fair, many of our greatest theologians, Augustine and Thomas Aquinas, come readily to mind, thought that the number of the saved was in fact very small. Now I can testify to the fact that my generation received a very different formation. So I came of age in the years just after Vatican II. We were assured over and over again that God is love. That he's not obsessed with petty peccadilloes. I would be willing to bet that most people of my generation assume that pretty much everyone gets to heaven. I bet a lot of people in my generation wouldn't even think so much about that question. Lord, how many will be saved? They probably assume, well, everyone gets saved. God is love. Now, here's the truth of it, I think. Both those perspectives... Those of the older generation and those of my generation are bad. But I kind of think the formation my generation received was perhaps worse. Now here's why. It tended to make people utterly indifferent to spiritual things. It paved the way for the secularism that we can see all around us today. If eternal life is simply a given, yeah, everyone gets to heaven, God is love. Well, then why should I really bother with spiritual development? Why shouldn't I turn my energies to getting a good education, getting ahead, landing a good job, making lots of money? If if that eternal life thing is kind of taken care of, well, then I should turn my energies to the secular world. So I think both approaches are problematic. I don't want people to, to be fearful and paranoid and, and, uh, and angry. But at the same time, I don't want people to be indifferent. I don't want them to think that the spiritual matters are, are trivial. That leads to a bland secularism. So with that in mind, let's look at precisely what Jesus said in answer to this question. Notice he did not answer it in the abstract. If he were around that table with my host a few years ago, he wouldn't have given an answer. Oh, I'll tell you, here's the exact percentage of those who'll be saved. He didn't say that. He didn't say, oh yeah, many will be saved, only a few will be saved. Rather, he turned his attention to the questioner and told him, strive to enter through the narrow gate. Now, There's the kind of answer we'd expect from any master or any teacher who's trying to get us to accomplish something great and difficult. I sincerely doubt that your golf teacher would ever blithely say to you, well, if you want to hit the golf ball well, swing any way you want. Everything will work out fine. I sincerely doubt he'd ever say to you, you know, everyone becomes a good golfer eventually. Just swing according to your whim and you'll be fine. I can testify, <laughs> i tried golf for many, many years. You don't just automatically get better. Things don't just automatically work out. If you're full of goodwill, you really want to be a good golfer. It just doesn't work that way. On the contrary, a good golf teacher will lay out for you the narrow gate that you've got to go through. Now, golfers know what I'm talking about. There are 10,000 ways to swing a golf club poorly. And believe me, I've explored most of them. That's why many of us find the wrong path. There you just got to bring the club head square to the ball with power if you want to hit it well. But finding that path is exceedingly difficult. And only a very few people do it. Any trip to the driving range or the golf course, watch average golfers, will prove it. Many find the false path. Similar way, a good fitness instructor will tell you that many, many people find the path to being fat and out of shape. (laughs) Just look around, it's pretty easy to see. It's a, pun intended, wide road and many walk it. But the path to fitness is narrow indeed why because it involves lots of disciplines and few people find it again even the most casual glance at our fellow human beings proves it so you say to your instructor how many will get fit how many what percentage will get fit i think a good instructor would say don't worry about it and get to work You say to your golf instructor, how many will find the right way to hit a golf ball? What's the percentage? If he's a good teacher, he'd say, don't worry about it and get back to practice. You see, it's fascinating. Jesus does not answer this question abstractly. How many will be saved? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. In fact, saying only a few, that can lead to spiritual problems. But also, it's my generation, saying, oh yeah, everyone gets in. That also leads to spiritual problems. So don't Look for an abstract answer. Rather, strive to enter by the narrow gate. What is eternal life? What does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to get to heaven? It means to participate to the fullest degree possible in the very life of God. It means conformity to love. It means surrendering to the grace of God and then allowing that grace, listen, to invade every aspect of your life so that grace flows through you and into the wider world. That's what it means to be saved. That's what it means to be in the embrace of God, to be living God's life. Everything in the religious order is meant to conduce to this state of being sacraments, teaching, scripture, moral discipline, liturgy, preaching, etc., all of it, is meant to bring us into conformity with God's way of being, which is the way of love. Now, I know that can sound kind of like soft language, but it is not. Does it require discipline? Yes. And I don't know any religious or spiritual tradition, East or West, Christian or non-Christian, that wouldn't affirm this. To walk the path of love is not an easy thing. To be conformed unto Christ, that's not an easy thing. God's grace is given lavishly, yes indeed. God's desire that all people be saved, yes indeed. But now, to move into that space, that's a difficult thing. That's a trying thing. Yes, it's an entry by means of the narrow gate. Again, I know I'm obsessed with golf perhaps, but that little slot that the teachers talk about, to get the golf club to fall just along that line where you're going to hit it well, it's hard to find. Trust me, it's hard to find that spot. And so, walking the path of Jesus. In Jesus' own language now, it means what? Taking up your cross every day and following him. That means you must conform the whole of your life in every detail to love, to self-gift. Hard? Yep. That's why we talk about a cross. So again, you know, how do I swing the golf club? Hard? You bet it is. How do I get fit? Difficult? You bet it is. Walking the path of love. Difficult? Uh-huh. That's why you got to take up a cross. How often? Every day. Oh, you know, yeah, I got things right with God a long time ago, and I've been kind of on cruise control ever since. It's not good enough. It's like saying, oh, yeah, I resolved 10 years ago to get fit, and I, I never exercise, and I eat all kinds of junky food. Or, yeah, a few years ago, I took some lessons in golf, but ever since then, I've just been kind of horsing around. Well, then you're surprised that <laughs> you're not fit. You're surprised you're not hitting the golf ball well. Take up your cross. Every day. Now that's, again, it's not some sort of divine obsession with suffering. It just means willing to walk the path of love. That's what the cross means. Heaven is simply the name we give to the fullness of this state of being. See, and that's precisely why the gate to heaven is narrow. Oh, because God's cruel and malicious. No, 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 no. It's like saying Jack Nicholas is cruel and malicious because it's difficult to swing the golf ball properly. No, he's just trying to show you how to do it. Oh, that trainer of mine, he's cruel and malicious. That's why he's making all these demands. No, he wants you to be fit. And there's just one way to do it. The gate to heaven is narrow because it's precisely in the shape of Jesus himself. Does that make sense? The gate you get Into heaven through is the gate of Jesus himself. It looks like him. It's shaped like him. Now, if someone tries to get into heaven on the basis of of ethnic identity, and that's implied in the gospel. Remember, the people say, hey, we ate and drank in your company. You taught in our streets. You're one of us. We're one of you. He'll be turned down. Jesus, the great spiritual master, will recognize anyone from north, south, east, or west. That's what he says. In the great banquet, you know, people will come to the banquet of Abraham from the north, south, east, and west while some of the chosen people will be on the outside. You See what he's saying? You can't get into this state on the basis of, of ethnic uh, identity. You get into it by conformity to Jesus' way of being. That's how he knows us. He says in this parable, I don't know you. The people who try to get into the banquet, I don't know I don't recognize you. See, Jesus recognizes his own. So, how many will be saved? What percentage? Don't ask that question. Don't look for an abstract answer. A few. Everybody. Many. 30%. (laughs) Those are all bad answers. Brother, put that question aside, and you strive to enter even now through the narrow gate, the gate that is precisely the size of Jesus himself. And God bless you.
0: I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love.
1: Father Robert Barron is combating the crisis of faith in our culture. Father Barron's expanded website can deepen your faith, give you new insights into Scriptures, and help you become a better Christian. Go to wordonfire.org and tap into Father Barron's compelling videos, sermons, articles, and much more. Wordonfire.org. Connect with one of the Catholic Church's best messengers every day, everywhere.